upcoming trip and anything else that the Lord has laid on your heart. Thanks, Pastor. Thank you. Good evening. Good to be back here at Home Church. Thank you for coming out tonight. And uh, God has blessed, and we're, uh, we're under two-week mark for departure. Hey, answer that. That might be someone important. <laughs> My sister used to do that to us. They only call me during church. I shut the phone off. <laughs> anyway, we're uh, Randy and Kelly Johnson. As you know, most of you know, uh, missionaries with First Bible International. And uh, we're preparing for our 15th trip into Northeast India, which is part of that 1040 window, uh, the restricted uh, part of the world, where it's not... Uh, fashionable to go to church and uh, carry a Bible, share your faith. And, uh, but there are many there that uh, take the risk. They, uh, they love the Lord and, and we're, we're working alongside them uh, as they allow us to and uh, trying to be a blessing and a help to encourage them, to equip them and to uh, spur them on to reach into the regions beyond us and them. Uh, many of them live on borders of countries that are uh, restricted or forbidden uh, to have the gospel inside, and, uh, and yet God is doing some marvelous things behind the scenes, underground as we call it, and uh, we're excited that we get to be a little piece of that and get to encourage them to keep going and to bring in some supplies they may need and most importantly, uh, we're needed to try to get them a Bible that they can say, thus saith the Lord. This is what God's word says. And uh, many are waiting. Many are still waiting to have that. Uh, we are privileged, as you've heard me say, and you know, we are privileged to have the word of God in our language. And so, um, just a few things. I want to thank the church and Pastor Bill for your part in uh, sending some funds over to help uh, the work there in Ukrul. And uh, this is the, one of the, the ministries we've been working to uh, build, uh, add to, and uh, they've asked us to establish a linguistics institute as part of their, their Bible college. And uh, this one here, we've uh, been working with them since uh, I met Ningwan in 20, uh, 2012, my first trip. And um, he had just begun his ministry there. He had gone back from, uh, he graduated from Bible College himself down in Bangalore, and, uh, which is in South India, and came back to his home area to, to establish a very needed uh, uh, college for the people, or his people, the Tonkal tribe people. And uh, it is the only uh, independent Baptist Bible college in that entire region that actually uh, is what we would consider going the right direction. Many of them have given in to, to liberalism and other things, and, and uh, so we're excited to be able to work together with him. And uh, the thank you to the church was that uh, $11,000 was sent over to help him build a house. Ningwan and his family has now five children, and uh, they have been living in something that is, uh, uh, my, my tool shed was nicer. And that was very convicting to see that. Living in a uh, pole building with tin for the walls, tin for the roof, and a, a hard packed dirt floor. Well, that's very common in the country and uh, with uh, people out out in the, the areas away from the cities, but um, I asked the Lord to help us do something about that. I just felt that he, he'd never asked, trust me, he's never asked for anything like that, right, Pastor? And one day, Pastor and I were riding with him along the, the ridge road above the, uh, the new college buildings, and the second building has been dedicated, and they're they're meeting in, in that now. They've moved the whole campus over there to meet for classes in chapel. And, 
and that's exciting work. That's, those are concrete buildings. Uh, one is two-story tall, and uh, the other is three. And um, so anyway, uh, we saw this house across the valley. It looked like a nice little cabin type thing with a red roof and, and uh, kind of beige siding on it. And I said, so to anyone, how much would it cost to build the house like that over there? And he's like, mm. and he thought about it a little bit and finally got a number out of him. And uh, I said, how would you like one of them? <laughs> this is how he laughs. <laughs> like, come on. Are you, are you teasing me, right? I said, let's pray about that. Maybe God can uh, help us. And uh, long story short, anyway, God got supplied. Uh, at the same time, his uh, brother, Angelus, who is the vice president at the college, and um, also a missionary to the border of Burma, India border uh, with Burma. And uh, he, he was building a little house like that because he had to move out of where he was. And uh, he, I said, brother, you got any needs? Be careful about asking that question. <laughs> uh, he said, well, we do need some money for um, the floor. So he had the... He had the uh, studs and everything. He had the walls up and the, the side, siding on and, and a roof on it. But you could see right down through, uh, through the floor because there's no floorboards. And it's built on, up on the ridge road with the, the hill going down like that. I said, well, let's see what we can do about that. And so that, that's where the extra thousand came in. And uh, that'll finish his house. He sent me pictures. Did you get those yet? I'll, I'll send them over, but uh, really exciting to see. They're, they're so, so grateful. And, uh, and so I want you to know that, that Columbia Road is making a difference in, in many ways. And we don't generally do buildings for people, but the Lord has given us a few opportunities in the last few years to help either finish something, like with Isaiah when he passed away, we helped. We raised the money to finish the church and the, the parsonage for his family. Um, praise God for that. Because they live in that place and they're meeting in the, the church that they started. Now they're begging for another piece of property because they, they can't fit everybody. That's a, that's a blessing. Now that, that church building is probably only like one section of, of the pews here to the back there. But that's... This is in a Hindu neighborhood. Everybody that lives there is Hindu. And uh, they even had a, a scrap with the, uh, the convention church. They come along after it was done and they told the, the widow, you can't have a church here. We already have a church here. And, and she called us up and said, well, you need to get your pastor involved here. <laughs> they shouldn't be coming to you, number one. But... Um, anyway, that's uh, things that go on here in America. They go on there too, and so pray for them. Pray that uh, God's word would go forth and people would be encouraged. To keep going. And that's that's what we hope to do on our next trip. We'll be with uh, three main uh, ministries that we've been with several times. We've helped build um, these three churches. And then uh, we have another Bible conference that we'll be doing with uh, another Nepali group. And uh, they're called the Nepali Gorkha, which means they're the farmers. And it's people that emigrated from the country of Nepal into India. And we've had one meeting with them before, and uh, we planned for 200 last time. There was 350 people show up. So I said, yeah, I need a little better accurate uh, number here when we're planning. And so we're, we're looking at 250 to 300 for that, that meeting. And uh, so please pray for us as we prepare, prepare messages, prepare training sessions. Uh, also, be, uh, I've been asked to preach the graduation uh, service for the Ukro Baptist Theological College, Ningwans College and uh, it'll be their 10th uh, graduation. So I'm honored to be asked. I generally have not been in that area to do so before, 
And so we're, we're excited to be able to be a part of that. Tonight I'd like to uh, have you turn with me to Mark chapter 4, and uh, verse 35 will begin there. Mark 4, 35. This upcoming trip will have uh, two Bible conferences, chapel services, and uh, also have a meeting with a new, new group called the Mete. Mete people are, uh, I've heard some good things about this pastor and church through uh, Brother Corey Chartier, who our church also supports. And, um, and so pray, pray about that, that we uh, will be able to be a help to them. Mark 4.35, I'm going to read um, verse 35 through 41. Again, verse 35. And the same day when the even was come, he saith unto them, Let us pass over unto the other side. And when they had sent away the multitude, they took him, even as he was, in the ship. And there were also with him other little ships. And there arose a great storm of wind, and the waves beat into the ship, so that it was now full and as he was in the hinder part of the ship, asleep on a pillow. That's Jesus, was asleep on a pillow. And they awake him and say unto him, Master, carest thou not that we perish? And he arose and rebuked the wind and said unto the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased and there was a great calm. And he said unto them, Why are ye so fearful? How is it that ye have no faith? And they feared exceedingly, and said one to another, What manner of man is this, that even the wind and the sea obey him? Let's pray. Father, thank you for the opportunity to be here tonight. Lord, and I yield myself to you and ask that you would help me tonight to convey this truth that you've put on my heart. I believe it can be such a help to, your, to our people here, and uh, Lord, Please uh, speak to our hearts as we look at your word. May we see that you are the Prince of Peace, the King of Kings and Lord of Lords, but the, also the Prince of Peace. There may be some that are they're going through some struggles, Lord, uh, those that are having a storm in their life. May we uh, correlate the, the similarities here tonight of that physical storm at sea with these things we face here on earth. Give us peace, Lord, to help us to come to you for that peace and nowhere else. I pray that you bless each one now. Help us to cross over to the other side. And we'll thank you for what you're going to do in Christ's name. Amen. Let us pass over onto the other side as a title the other side. Uh, just to give you a little background, I use this, our, our life story of missionaries to uh, illustrate this, this thought of let us pass over onto the other side. In 1998, we went to the Azor Islands of Portugal as missionaries. God helped us and used us there to start a Grace Baptist Church, try to reach the Portuguese people uh, it was a struggling work, mostly due to our own health. During that time, we were back and forth several times for different uh, health needs, surgeries. Um, I ended up with cancer, the thyroid, during that time in 2001. And so several times we come back, we didn't have anyone that could take the work, so we came back several times, had to start over. And it was uh, quite frustrating, but we believe God was in it. He was using it. Many were saved. Uh, we had even saw some baptized people come to church. We were, in 2003, begun services in Portuguese. Uh, we'd had an English church for those that could understand because my family needed to go to church somewhere. Amen? Thought about that? What does a missionary do with his family while he's starting a church? And uh, I believe that we need to gather as a family at least and uh, have church. And God bless that. We had, uh, we had some great things happen. 
But in 2003, when my wife was having uh, surgery on her neck, uh, saliva gland for a, a, a tumor, our son was uh, killed in an auto accident in Michigan. We were in Minnesota at the time, and uh, through a series of events, uh, Brother Mike Cox was my uh, director at the time for a mission that we were with, and uh, he asked me to pray about going to Okinawa. I wasn't the best Christian at the time, because <clears throat> I told him no. I said, I'm not going to pray about it. I'm not going to Okinawa. And I basically just dismissed it. And he said, well, I want you to at least pray about it. Hey, wouldn't they ask that? <clears throat> well, God would not leave me alone. And uh, before we headed back to the Azores, uh, we were asked a candidate in Okinawa. And God was saying to us, let us pass over to the other side. I'm done with you in Portugal. I have something else for you. And we went, uh, I went, I have to admit, I went kind of um, unwillingly, but obediently. It's not a good place really to be. Um, I mean, you might as well, you you need to be obedient, but uh, it's even better if you're obedient and willing, and uh, willing to follow the Lord and trust Him more. And He was teaching me this. He was teaching me to, to trust Him. Uh, just like uh, I was thinking of the story of Paul when he, he on his uh, second journey, he was coming to the, the mouth of a river that would go from the Aegean Sea up, up a river to an area called Bithynia, and the Black Sea. And God it says the Spirit forbid him from going. His plan was to go there as a missionary, to take the gospel. And he'd been going through uh, what is today is modern Turkey. Uh, it was Asia Minor at the time. And several churches were planted. And, and uh, God was using him mightily. And, and, uh, and he had every intention to go to Bithynia. God said no. And then that night, uh, God let him see a man from Macedonia saying, come over and help us. And Macedonia would have been to the left rather than to the right. And he had a, ch he had a choice to make because God was leading. And it's the same thing with uh, going from Portugal to Okinawa. We could have stayed in Portugal and nobody would have known any different except God and me. <laughs> And God is able to turn off his faucet, a blessing, if we disobey, if we insist on having our way, even in a good thing, we have to be careful. We have to really bathe it in prayer and say, God, what do you really want me to do? And help me be willing to, to make that change. I'm like many, I'm sure, uh, I don't like change. Once I get settled, and I, you know, I, I just don't want to make another change. And God was, he was ruffling our nest. And uh, honestly, with the, the surgeries and uh, the death of our son and, and all these things going on in our life, it's kind of a turmoil. Now, we had made it back to the field. Praise God. We, we believe God wasn't done with us yet. But uh, Paul, he, uh, he went instead to what ended up being Philipp, the city of Philippi, where Lydia heard the gospel and was saved, and many others. And uh, we know now that that was the gateway to the gospel going to Europe, whereas the other way would have been to Russia. I'm not God. I don't know what his plan was, but I believe that we got the gospel here because it went through Europe. We'll find out when we get to heaven, right? So once the gospel got to here, Right? What happened? The missionaries went to Russia. Amen? And so the Lord knows what he's doing. We need to trust him, though, and see that our life is not ours to choose, ours to pick the path, ours to decide what the journey is. But instead, God was saying to uh, these folks here, he's teaching, Jesus was teaching his disciples, 
Uh, he was saying to Paul, he was saying to me, will you, it says let us. Notice it says let us pass over to the other side. It says, uh, will you join me in my journey, Jesus says to us. Will you join me in my journey? And that is a, that is a concept that I didn't get for a long time. I thought, you know, I have to set the plan. I, I need to decide what God wants done. I need to decide where he wants me to go. And I, I set, a, set a course. And it was somewhat my course. As much as I say, God, please bless this and please direct me and help me to know which way to go. But I never saw it till recently how he says, let us. And he says that to us today. Let us pass over to the other side. Let us pass over to the other side of whatever that area in our life is that he's trying to grow us in. It may be a greater time in his word. It might be a greater time in prayer. It might be a, a moving to another area of ministry and, and doing something that's outside of our comfort zone, as something outside of our uh, a pattern that we've set and gotten comfortable with, and I'm, I'm, I'm the, the one who does that. Uh, God challenges us to, he says, let us pass over on the other side. I have some more work for you to do. I have something else for you to do. You're finished. I'm finished using you here. Maybe uh, you've, you've, uh, you've been an usher and you've served God faithfully, but maybe he wants you to do something else, et cetera, et cetera. You fill in the blank. Maybe uh, he wants you to, um, to make a mission trip. If you've never done that, then that would be passing over to the other side. Right, Marv? Amen? <laughs> As we cross that Atlantic. Now, Jesus said, let us. He wasn't sending us alone, uh, but he was going with us. That's, that's the exciting thing about the Lord's work is no matter whether we're here or over there, going someplace to serve him, he wants to go along with us. He wants us to go along with him, <laughs> right? Even better. Because then we say, God, you lead. Don't let me lead. Because I... I you know, the more you do something, the more you become accustomed, the more you know how to do it. That's, a, that's not always a good thing. Because maybe God wants to try something else. Maybe he wants to try a detour over here instead of the same old path you've been trotting down. I have to be careful of that as we go on our 15th trip to India. Because we have, you know, we've been in a lot of places there. We've... I've been praying, Lord, is there somewhere else in that 1040 window you want us to go? Is there another area that we could possibly get in somehow? And, and little, little things have popped up here and there. I was uh, talking to my director one day, and he says, you ought to try to go to Lebanon. I know somebody that speaks the language. Could go with you. You need to get back into Armenia because we don't have anything going on right now. The people that were doing it went in the, went in the pastorate. And so there's a lot of things that we have to, we have to ask God, what, what is it you want us to do? He gave us his promise in Matthew 28, 18 through 20. The verses that you, you've heard many times, go ye therefore into all the world, preach the gospel. Uh, at the, at verse 20 says, Lo, I am with you always even to the end of the world. That's his, don't miss his promise at the end. He, he commands us to do something, but he's, then he promises us he's going to be there with us. Amen? And uh, I remember when I was asked to, to teach my first Sunday school class, and I looked around the room to see who he was talking to. I was like, well, me? <laughs> you must be kidding. At that time, I didn't want to be in front of anybody. At all. It's interesting how the Navy, very soon after that, offered me an instructor position. <laughs> so God gave me some, uh, some training in this, you know, the secular side, 
to help me with my Sunday school class. But the key was accepting his invitation. The pastor offered me the Sunday school class. I said, well, pastor, if you think I can do it, I, I will do it. But I don't think I know how to do it, and I don't think I'm qualified. I don't have been saved about two years at that point. But God blesses us when we step out by faith. We say, okay, God, I don't see the path. Can you help me? Show me the way. Show me what's first. Show me what I need to do. And that's, that's true whether we've been saved a couple months or 40 years. We need to stay teachable. We need to stay pliable and let God use us where he have us. And here we find Jesus and his disciples after a long day, large crowds. And Jesus invites them to cross over the Sea of Galilee to take a rest from the crowds. He asks them to come with him. We don't know exactly what his purpose was, but he invited them along. He could just as easily have hopped in the boat gone by himself, or he could have just as easily, you know, blinked his eyes and was on the other side. He decided to take his disciples. He wanted them with him. Don't miss that, that part of the things in the Bible, but Jesus does things to, to draw us closer to him. It's not to get us proficient at something, but he wants us with him. He wants us to walk with him, closer with him, to depend on him more, to, to, call, to talk with him more. And uh, <clears throat> I think Jesus invited them along because he wanted their fellowship. He wanted to, to talk with them and teach them. And, and they, they, had, uh, they had a lesson waiting for them in the boat. Amen? <laughs> so... <clears throat> Some lessons to be learned. We see, first of all, in verse 37, there was a great storm. Almost immediately a storm arose upon Jesus and his disciples. Uh, Jesus could have sent the, the disciples out in the boat by themselves. They could have been out there floundering in the boat in the storm all by themselves, but that's not the case. Jesus was in the storm with them. And the, the, the uh, principle here to see is that you're not in your storm tonight alone. If you're a child of God, he has promised to go with you. He is there. He is, he's already there ahead of you. He knows what's ahead, right? We believe that, right? We believe God is all-knowing. He's all-powerful. And he knows what we need. He knows what's ahead. And, and this is an area that we... we we all could learn to trust him more about. You know, we've all been faced with, the, uh, with things that are, you know, over the top, the, the cancer word, whatever it is, uh, the heart attacks, uh, things that are completely out of our control. I got, prom I got good news for you. And I'm going to tell you something you already know. <laughs> Jesus is there with you. Amen. He, he wants to walk with you. And uh, he wants you to cross over to the other side of, of, uh, from depending on your own wisdom, your own strength, your own uh, intellect to trusting him. That's what he wants. That's hard for us in, uh, human beings, isn't it? Because we, uh, we work really hard at learning things and, and doing things, and we should do all we can. But there's got to be a place where we say, Lord, I need you. I need you. Even when we don't think we need him. I need thee. I need thee every hour. That became a pretty, pretty common song for me, a very much of a favorite, especially during uh, Kelly's cancer. I need thee every hour. We were, we were in Okinawa, Japan. No family except Krista. And uh, God says, I, I want you to need me. Amen? Stay right here. I want you to, meet, to need me. And we learned that we could trust him. 
He's faithful. Amen? And so, even in the storm, you know, this, this story here disproves the, the teaching that uh, once you're saved, all your problems disappear. I don't find that in the Bible. Somebody told you that lately, you need to realize they're not, they're not reading their Bible. Because you can look at the life of the disciples and Apostle Paul and others, how many trials they had to go to, through, but we, we see how God was with them in every one. That he is, he is faithful, he will be there. And we need to learn that the presence of Christ himself does not exempt his disciples and followers from trouble and danger. But it does promise that he's there with us. That he is away. When, when Peter stepped out of that boat, Jesus was standing right there. Go ahead, step on the water. Now, Peter gets a, a bad rap because he started sinking, but I know where the other guys were. They were in the boat. <laughs> right? Nobody else jumped out of that boat. They should have all been in line. Hurry up, Peter. Get out there on that water. We want to walk out there too. Right? No, that wasn't going on. So... <clears throat> In 2009 is when Kelly was diagnosed with her cancer, and by the end of 2010, we were home here with the intention of going back to Okinawa, but by uh, 2011, the door to Okinawa was closed. Again, the Lord was saying, let us pass over to the other side. We didn't know where that was. <clears throat> we wanted to go back to Okinawa, believe it or not. <laughs> I fought and clawed and tried to keep from going from Portugal to Okinawa. Now I don't want to leave Okinawa. Isn't that how the Lord works, right? And he give us a heart for the people there. And, and, uh, but God was done. We turned it over to a, a national. This was a U.S. military work. And a U.S. Navy active duty man became the, the next pastor. God, God had all that planned out. This man had had Bible college while he was in the Navy. He's sitting out there being quiet as a mouse as I'm asking, I'm praying, let's pray that we can find somebody to take my place. You know, and he's not saying a word. <laughs> anyway, let us pass over on the other side. So we're, we're back in the United States right here. Kelly's in Cleveland Clinic. God healed her. Praise God for that. When we come home, she was not in good shape. She was in a wheelchair, and <clears throat> we didn't know what was going to happen. Verse 38, we see how we ought to be in a storm. How is Jesus reacting to the storm that these guys are in the boat with him, and he is asleep on the pillow. He is... He is Resting in his father's care. Amen? God the Father was watching over his son, just like he will us. And Jesus, amidst the storm, which shows us that there can be peace in the storm. There can be peace in your life, even in the storm. Not, not, when, not only when the, the storm disappears, but in the storm. Don't miss that. That God can give you peace that passeth all understanding in, while you're still in your storm. That the storm may last much longer than we want. Do we wait till the storm is over to have peace? Then we're missing the peace God wants us to have. He wants us to learn to rest in him and to trust him even when things are out of control and, and we don't know why it's going on and we don't know what's going to happen next and that's part of life on planet Earth, I'm afraid. We all have this little piece in our head that says, one day it's going to be better. Right? And I hope it will be, but that's, that's not always the case. Not for everybody. The Savior's posture was one of peace. He was weary he shows his humanity here, that he was 100% man, 100% God at the same time. And uh, he was 
experiencing these infirmities of our nature so he could understand what you and I go through. Uh, weariness, pain, hunger, thirst, etc. Rejection. Jesus has been there. Jesus understands. That's why we need to run to him. That's why we need to go to him in our storm. Because he, he's the only one that can fully understand. Our friends and family will try to help, yes, but we can't. Uh, Jesus is the only one that can really understand it. So go to him. He allowed himself to do this so he could relate to us. And he says to us to let us pass over on the other side. We see the, uh, the lack of faith of his disciples here. And they say, Mayor, they, they automatically run to, don't you care? Don't you care? We're going to drown here. What's, I mean, the, the boat's filling full of water and, and the wind is blowing and, and there's Jesus. He's asleep. You know, it, it tells me that they, they believed that he could save them, but him being asleep, they weren't so sure. Right? Now that, that kind of translates to, well, I know that God answers pastors' prayers, but I'm not so sure he'll answer my prayer. You ever thought that? Of course, we all have. Especially when you're a young Christian, you watch somebody, they, they look like a spiritual giant to you, and, and they, it seems like everything they touch turns to gold. The guy who led me to Christ was like that. And I, I, I used to marvel at him and and how, do you, how does that happen? How does God do that for you? And I thought, I don't know if I'll ever see him do that. Stick around long enough, you will. Because <laughs> now I see that. I see God blessing us. I see God blessing others. And he wants to, he wants to bless. He wants to supply. He wants to comfort. He wants to help us through our storms of life. Because the only other option is to quit. Right? That's not the option God wants us to take. He wants us to come out on the other side victorious. He wants to show us that he can, he can do all things. That he is able. Amen? We sing these songs. He is able, right? It, the hard part is when we have to live what we sing or live what we preach. <laughs> right, brother? I used to, on Sunday nights, many times I'd go home and I'd say, oh, this week I'm going to have to practice what I just preached. <laughs> I hate that. <laughs> oh, I shouldn't have said that. Now I'm going to have to do it. But you see, God is growing our faith. He says, you really believe that? Okay, let's try this there. <laughs> uh, so the disciples had faith, but it was mixed with their human frailty. They believed that he could save them, but they weren't so sure that he would. And you see, God is able. God is able. It's up to us to to believe him, to wait on him, to trust him, see? And, and he doesn't always answer as quick as we like. That's where, that's where our faith is tested. Will we wait for his answer? Or will we just charge ahead, and, like I've done uh, a few times, and, and do it? This is how it has to be done. This is how we did it last time. Instead of waiting to see if God... Maybe he wants to bless more in another way, or he wants to use somebody else as part of the equation. And so we've got to learn to, to trust that he is he's still in control. Uh, he's still on his throne, just like the disciples here had to. Uh, they, they thought that he must be awake before he could save them. So God's not limited by that. We are. You gotta be awake, right? 
Life is short. Stay awake for it, right? Amen? That's on my coffee cup. Uh, but the Bible says in Psalm 121, verse 3 and 4, He that keepeth thee will not slumber. Behold, he that keepeth Israel shall, not, shall neither slumber nor sleep. God will not fall asleep on you. He has not forgotten you. He knows right where you are tonight. He knows what you're facing. He knows things that we don't know yet. Thank God for that. Right? Pastor was telling about, talking about that, some of the side effects that he's, he's going through. He says, they didn't tell me all this. It's probably a good thing. Kind of like a chemo patient. The only ones that know what's really going to happen is those that help somebody else that went through it. <clears throat> the lesson here is that uh, through fear, though fear is prevalent in time of great and imminent danger, while it may seem to be weakness of faith, yet it is not evidence of a total lack of faith. They had faith that he could do it, they just weren't sure that he would do it, or that, they would, that he would do it for them. In the midst of the disciples' fears, they believed Christ's power was able. They were all, they were always a, there was always an element of doubt, though, involved in faith. Ever thought about that? If there's no doubt, then it's sight. So there's always going to be an element of doubt as you're making decisions, as you're, you're trying to find God's direction, you're trying to get an answer to prayer, you're trying to help somebody and, and to know the right way. <clears throat> it's normal to have some doubt, but don't let the doubt control you. Let your faith control you. And your faith is not in you, it's in Him. Faith in Him. There was a preacher who once said, that you don't have to have great big faith. You can take your little bit of faith and put, him in a great, put it in a great big God. And that's, that's what we need to do. Because he is a great big God. And he is able to do whatever needs to be done. He is able to, to do all things. So let's, let's believe him. You know, while we believe God was moving us, there's still a little pinch of doubt. Am I, am I doing the right thing here? Right? Let us pass over on the other side. Has God opened the door for us to go into uh, First Bible International? God, is this uh, the right thing? I was now an associate pastor in Connecticut. Unknown to me, the pastor had plans of leaving and asking the church to, to take me as pastor, to vote me in. I'm glad he didn't tell me that. Because when God was moving us back to full-time missions, I was convinced that's what we're supposed to do. And he did me a favor by not con confusing the issue. But he was upset that I was leaving. So, but God had t touched my heart. He had used a scripture that he had used four other times in our life for major decisions. Out of nowhere. Scripture that means something to us. When he called us to missions. When he, uh, he reconfirmed his call to missions ten years later. When he, uh, we, he moved us from place to place. God will use scripture if you let him. You lay a fleece for him. See, Lord, I'm not going to make a move or a decision until you show me. What is it? What would you have me do? I could tell you more about that if you'd like to know. But uh, we see Christ's power over nature. He rebuked the wind. He calmed the sea. The picture of Christ's power that's available to us as his children. And we, we need to call upon him. So the big question is this. Jesus asked his disciples in verse 40, Why are ye so fearful? How is it that ye have no faith? Fear is equal to lack of faith. And he asks us that same thing. As we face trouble in life, as we, storms come in on us, why are you so fearful? Well, we've all been there. It, it does come back to our level of faith. 
Maybe we've, we've slacked off on our time with him. We've, we've not read the word of God like we should. Uh, and that is revealed in the trial. The trial is not the time to try to build our faith. It's what will reveal our faith. The time to be building our faith is when things are going relatively smoothly. Before the storm comes. It's kind of like uh, preparing for, for typhoons. Well, we lived uh, seven years in Okinawa. We had 24 typhoons hit us. 24. <laughs> I thought, is this ever going to end? <laughs> the first year there was, how many, 10? I said, what have I done? I came from peaceful Azores to this. <laughs> I've obviously missed something. I mean, every time this, the storm was coming, you had, to, you had to clear the yard. Everything had to be put away or it would be th- blown away or blown through something. Because some of those winds were 160 miles an hour. I said that to say, there was a lot of preparation before every storm. If you didn't do it, you were wishing you did. Because <laughs> then you... You wave goodbye to the trampoline. You wave goodbye to the shed. And you never found them. We saw a lot of videos of people's stuff, just tool sheds, all of a sudden, off comes a piece of the wall. Another piece, and pretty soon it goes, <laughs> the whole thing's gone. That's called not prepared. Because they, you knew like four days ahead of time you had four or five days to prepare. Okay, Christians, are things going pretty good right now? Now's the time to be preparing. Preparing for the hurricane, typhoon, whatever you want to call it, cyclone. <laughs> These storms that come in our life can seem like a typhoon. They're, it's out of control. You're told don't step outside. It's kind of hard when you have dogs. You have to tie a rope around them, make sure they don't blow away. Uh, Our faith is tested when we get in the boat with Jesus. Back to the spiritual side. As God calls us to do something, or he wants us to serve in a certain capacity, it's it's a step of faith. It's a step of faith, brother to step into the deacon role. You don't know what's ahead. It's not all titles and everything. You know that. (laughs) But it's a step of service and faith. And God wants us to to do that, trusting him and allowing him to use us. When we're walking with God, we know that he will not forsake us. If we're walking on our own, he may let us suffer some to get us come back. Jesus invites you and I, let us pass over to the other side. If you're here in unbelief tonight, in some way, maybe there's someone here that's not saved, you're in unbelief. The answer is Jesus wants you to come cross over to the other side, to belief. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. For those that are are saved, but maybe we're not being as productive as God wants us to. He wants us to be productive. In John 15, 8, he says, Herein is my Father glorified that ye bear much fruit. He wants us to bear much fruit. Maybe we're a little skeptical. We think, yeah, yeah, I hear what you're saying, Brother Johnson, but, you know. He wants you to cross over to trusting, trusting him. You know, trusting him is, is like prerequisite to the next step. It's like you can't come into this auditorium without stepping through the front door first. Then you have to walk down the hallway and step through another door. And those doors represent those steps of faith. God wants us to take steps of faith. He doesn't show us what's on the other side of the doors until we say, okay, I'm going to I'm going to open the door and step through it. Trusting. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart. 
Are you committed or non-committed? Psalm 37.5, commit thy way unto the Lord. Romans 12.1, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. He wants us to be committed to him, just like he was committed to us. He was committed to go to all the way to the cross. He could have turned back any moment. He could have just snapped his fingers and been back by his Father in heaven. But he was committed to the plan of God. And there's many, many ways we could pass over the other side. What is it God is speaking to your heart about tonight? Is there an area that God's been kind of tapping on your, your shoulder about? He's been tugging at your heart. That's, that's the Holy Spirit. He's, he's, he wants you to take that step of faith. He wants you to cross over. Don't get um, so comfortable that you can't be used in another area. And I think that's what he's taught me. A lot of missionaries go to one field. They, they go there to live and die, and, and, uh, and that's, that's great. That was our intention, too. But we also have to leave God veto power. Whether we're a missionary or a layman. Giving God veto power. Okay, God, I'm, gonna, I'm yours. I'm going to do this for you. I'm going to serve you. But if you need to change the course in any way, you need, to, you need me to do something different, just let me know. That's giving God veto power. Amen? It's not, it's not digging in and saying, bless God, I made this decision I'm 30 years ago and I'm not giving it up, right? You don't see that in the life of Paul as he's, he's traveling to these different places and one place they stoned him and left him for dead. He could have said, I've had enough of this. <laughs> they don't respect me, they don't love me, they don't, they don't treat me right, I'm not, God, where were you when they were stoning me, huh? He said, I was right there beside you, and I'm, I'm the one who lifted you back up. Amen? And then he went back and preached. You see, God wants us to cross over in our faith. He wants to take another step of faith. Cross over to the other side. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the challenge we find in this passage here. The many lessons you taught your disciples and Lord, help us to, to glean from these things to help us do that which you're, you're speaking to our heart about. Now, everybody here is another, a different place in their Christian walk. And help us, Lord, to, to be sensitive to the Spirit of God. Allow you to, to speak to our heart. Allow you to show us the next step. Help us go through the right doorway so we may see a, a greater picture of your will for our life. Pray that you'd help each one here tonight. And may we give you honor and glory for all that's done. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen. If you have your prayer sheet handy, would you mind taking that out? And if you didn't receive a prayer sheet,